4: Well, you are listening uh, to African Dialogue, remember we come to you every day from Monday to Thursday at 1100 hours Central African time. You're with me, Benjamin Moshatama, right here on Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa and the voice of the African Renaissance. If you're listening to us on shortwave, uh, we on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa on DSTV on Channel 802. Well, today on our program we'll be looking at the Africa traditional medicines. Uh, have we made a way forward in that regard, and what still needs to be done to actually see traditional medicines to be taken seriously, not only on the African continent but also internationally? So, we'll be looking at that since yesterday it was um, Africa Traditional Medicine Day. But before we get into that, and Musa is standing by to give us our news.
5: In the headlines, South Africa issues an advisory to citizens living in Gabon following protests. Brazil's former Vice President Michel Temer sworn in as the country's new president and migrant arrivals in Italy has reached 12,000 in three days. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. South Africa's Department of International Relations has requested South African citizens living in Gabon to stay indoors. This after protesters set fire to Gabon's parliament building when President Ali Bongo was declared the winner of Saturday's presidential poll. Thousands of people took to the streets after the announcement and accused government of stealing the election. More than a dozen people have been admitted to hospital, six of them with bullet wounds. The wounded say they were shot by security forces. The defeated candidate in Gabon's presidential elections, Ping, says two people have died after security forces attacked his headquarters in the capital, Libreville. The SADC Summit of Heads of State and Government has concluded in Swaziland. African leaders commended Tanzania and the Seychelles for holding peaceful and credible elections but have also called for the speedy resolution of the pending legal issues currently under consideration by Zambia's constitutional court after the poll earlier this month. The summit also condemned the violence that has once again erupted in the east of the DRC while welcoming efforts to bring about a lasting peace in that country. SADC Executive Secretary Stegomena Lawrence Stax. The summit commended the government of the DRC and the African Union facilitation, all Congress stakeholders and the facilitation support group for the effective launching of an inclusive dialogue that is expected to adopt a roadmap towards peaceful elections in accordance with SADC and international standards. Brazil's former vice president, Michel Temer, has been sworn in as the country's new president. The country's Senate voted to remove Jomar Rousseff from office. Rousseff was convicted by 61 of the 81 senators of illegally manipulating the national budget. Temer is expected to stay in power until the next scheduled elections in 2018. He has promised a new era of government for Brazil. The number of migrants who have been rescued from the Mediterranean Sea since Sunday has now risen to more than 12,000. This is according to the International Organization for Migration, IOM. Calm seas are believed to have prompted the latest rush to Europe from North Africa. Unconfirmed reports also indicate that food shortages in Libyan detention centres for migrants may also have played their part. And finally, at least 1,000 filmmakers from Africa will next month gather in Nairobi, Kenya for a week of activities geared towards enticing financial institutions to pay more attention to the continent's film industry. Under the umbrella Pan-African Federation of Filmmakers, Nairobi will host a week-long African Film Festival and hold filmmaking and financing workshops. Ministers of Culture and Social Services from African countries will also attend the conference. Advisor to the Pan-African Federation of Filmmakers, Ndiriti Moritu.
2: We estimate this sector can contribute $20 billion uh, to the GDP of this continent. So it's a big, big sector, and financial institutions are only now beginning to see it. So we expect to mobilize over $200 million in financing towards the film sector.
5: Recapping the top stories, South Africa issues an advisory to citizens living in Gabon following protests. Brazil's former Vice President Michel Temer, sworn in as the country's new president and migrant arrivals in Italy, has reached 12,000 in three days. From the 15th of August, join Channel Africa at 900 Central African Time from Monday to Thursday every week for the book reading. A Vision of Paradise by Keisanya Tsumba. That's Monday to Thursday at 900 Central African Time. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance
0: change your game be the voice of young african entrepreneurs change your game a program that promotes open discussion change your game we bring social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the global entrepreneurship ecosystem our mission is to produce relevant and vibrant content and conduct interviews with dynamic stakeholders within the african entrepreneurial ecosystem that informs educates and entertains and empowers young African entrepreneurs change your game change your game empowering the next generation of outstanding African entrepreneurs tune in on Fridays ten hundred hours to ten forty five a.m. Central African time and on Saturdays thirteen hundred hours to fourteen hundred hours Central African time Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance
1: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and
2: satellite.
0: My name is Hot Stix Mabuse, a South African musician and an African artist for that matter. You are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African renaissance. Pambi.
5: My name is Yvonne Chakachaka from South Africa, but Africa is my home. You're listening to Channel Africa,
1: the voice of the African Renaissance.
6: My name is Habida, an African artist from Kenya, and you're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. I
3: love you.
4: Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You're with me, Benjamin Mushatama? And remember, if you're listening to us on shortwave, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa. And another way that you can get hold of us is via DSTV. We're on channel 802 there. And... Uh, We've got great news that you can actually now start downloading the Channel Africa app and you can just go to the Play Store on your uh, phone and uh, start downloading Channel Africa and you can constantly listen to us there on our um, mobile app. It's simply titled Channel Africa. Another interesting way for you to listen to us is via uh, listening to us in the USA and that's via calling us. You can call us on 605-475-171. One, and I've got an audience on that particular platform. And thank you to those who are listening to that on that particular platform. Well, today we're looking at a very interesting conversation. Yesterday, the world was uh, actually commemorating the African Traditional Medicine Day, and uh, which was yesterday. Now, the 31st of August in the year 2000 was a day which ministers of health adopted the relevant resolution at the 15th session of the World Health Organization. Regional Committee for Africa in Wagadougou, Burkina Faso. Uh, This is where traditional African medicines were actually acknowledged as playing a role in terms of health solutions. Now we know that um, African traditional medicine involves the use of herbal concoctions and traditional rituals to treat a patient. These are the two main types of traditional healers in in Africa. and In South Africa specifically, we have those who rely on rituals and traditional practices uh, to treat a patient's ailments. And while uh, others use plants, herbs and and animal uh, parts to actually uh, facilitate some form of ceremonies. So we'll be unpacking that today. And we're asking the question really. Do you think that the rest of the world is taking our medicinal solutions as a continent seriously? What are your thoughts on this particular conversation? Remember you can uh, join us on our Facebook page at African Dialogue. That's the handle at African Dialogue and you can give us your thoughts on this theme. Do you think the rest of the world actually uh, takes us seriously in terms of our medicinal uh, solutions? We know some of uh, solutions actually hail from our continent continent so uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll try connect with our guests so do stay with us uh, remember you can give us your thoughts there on our twitter handle at african dialogue
0: we'll be back after this good news for our listeners in america you can now listen to channel africa by phoning 605 1711 so if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial six zero five four seven one seven double one Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance.
4: Oh, you are still listening to channel africa the voice of the african renaissance uh, remember we are on dstv on channel 802 and uh, that's where you can listen to us on the audio bouquet and uh, also on shortwave uh, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern africa well today we're looking at a very interesting conversation in terms of where we are as a continent when it comes to the seriousness of the world taking our traditional medicines and we know yesterday it was the africa traditional medicine day where that was commemorated i didn't hear much of a buzz around it it's because maybe we've seen traditional medicines on the peripheries of uh, medicine or the health industry but to help us on uh, this particular uh, conversation we're joined now by dr glavana maseko who is the president of the traditional healers association doctor thank you for giving us your time dr maseko are you there with us yes sir. hello fantastic i can hear you can you hear me clearly dr maseko
2: hey, hello
4: can you hear me dr maseko
2: no your uh, uh, line is fainting i can't hear you
4: it's a bit faint for you okay um let's see if we can sort it out for you um is that better okay dr maseko yes yes Can you hear me now? I hear yeah. Fantastic. Now, let's look at the issue of traditional medicines and the role of traditional medicines in terms of, uh, you know, making them part of the mainstream, Dr. Maseko. Would you say that traditional medicine and healthcare practices systems on the continent are well documented or if we are on the right track in terms of making it mainstream? Oh no, we're struggling with these lines. We're going to go for another quick break. I don't know what's going on with our lines today. We've been struggling since the beginning of the program. I apologize to you. But if you're with us on social media at African Dialogue, you can give us your thoughts on what we're talking about. Uh, Do you think that the rest of the world is taking Africa's medicinal solutions seriously? Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can uh, uh, tweet us there at African Dialogue. I'm going to see if we're going to sort out these lines and uh, take things forward. Uh, Let's say a quick break and then we'll be back
3: across the globe every second there's always a breaking story
5: Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital Addis Ababa For Channel Africa I'm
3: Lillian Strobach reporting from the ICC in The Hague Reporting for Channel Africa I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia Our cutting edge and hard hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned giving you the whole picture every time George Muhango Channel
1: Africa Blantyre. This is Lansana Fofana reporting for Channel Africa from Freetown. Reporting for Channel Africa in Harare, Zimbabwe. This is Simon
3: Muchema. Reporting for Channel Africa. This is Moki Kinsaka. In Yaoundi.
1: From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Sesotho, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. Informing the world about Africa.
5: in, in Lesotho.
1: Reporting for Channel Africa, Mwai in Nairobi. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
4: Well, yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We apologize. I don't know what's going on today. We seem to be struggling with our lines, but we're going to try forge forward with the program. Let's see if we can move to one of our guests, Priti Lukello, who is a traditional healer. Priti, are you there with me on the line? Yes, I'm still here, Sam. Oh, fantastic. It's great to be speaking to you. Thank you for giving us this opportunity, Priti. You know, today it's interesting to look at, uh, you know, medicinal, uh, the medicinal field and just the healthcare industry, especially on the African continent. And I think where we've actually struggled as a continent is mainstreaming uh, African medicinal health and um, also processes that the, the, the medical, um, uh, traditional medical uh, space actually offers, pretty. why are we still struggling to actually mainstream uh, traditional medicines and traditional healthcare systems?
6: Okay, that's the one of the reasons why we are currently in the situation where we are now. It's because uh, we don't have our medicine documented. And the reasons why we don't have our medicine documented is because apparently I understand there was a policy that was made and it died a silent death up to this day i do not know uh, what was the cause of, of the death of such a policy
3: sure
4: and, and in terms of that i mean what where do we get where things are stopping is it because of the documentation of uh, our practices on the continent is it because we don't document our practices well why is it that we're having a hard time mainstreaming our uh, practices
6: uh, firstly we are still being stereotyped as traditional healers. So, so. We are still not yet fully recognized. We are still being seen as barbaric. But the very same people who call us barbaric are the very same people who are interested you know, in our medicine, how it works. So it's still, it's still a long way for us to go.
4: And pretty, you know, what's interesting for me is looking at the fact that, you know, some forms of uh, traditional forms of mainstream medicines actually come from uh, more traditional uh, indigenous forms of medicine. And uh, that there isn't much of an acknowledgement of that kind of history. I wonder why not.
6: Uh, definitely we are all interested. That's why probably we also uh the government is trying, although we are not fully happy about government's involvement in ensuring that indigenous medicine, you know, is is, is advocated um and, and campaigned properly and given, you know, uh, the 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 respect that it, it, it it's supposed to be given. But for now only, honestly I must be honest with you, we are still very far from we cannot we're trying to pull our socks, you know, to be at par like companies such as Distriim. But the other problem is that um, we are being expected to give um, knowledge of our medicine, and yet in return, no one tells us of the royalty rights that we are going so, to enjoy. Mm. A company like this spring they were able to invent this spring and they were able to avail such information because they knew that they, they will enjoy, in the long run, the royalty rights. So if now, as a healer, I go ahead and give... Um, My my information of indigenous medicine, of what uh, types of ailments that I can heal, or what types of ailments that I can regulate. Will I be able to get my royalty rights? That's one of the barriers why we are sitting
4: where we are currently. Mm. Let me see if we can try get back to uh, Dr. Tlavana Maseko, who we tried connecting with and we struggled with the lines earlier on. I think he's back on the line. Uh, Dr. Maseko is the president of uh, the Traditional Healers Association. Dr. Maseko, can you hear me now? Yes, please. Um, looking at some of the areas and challenges that uh, pretty highlighted, pretty Loe is a, a traditional healer as well and we 're just speaking about how sometimes you know traditional healers it 's still a taboo, and also some of uh, the uh, mainstream areas is because of the fact that there 's still stereotypes uh, imposed upon traditional healers, and also the fact that you know the programs and uh, policies that have been you know, initiated through governments to be implemented are very difficult to cement and sometimes they stall somewhere and somehow. And I don't know what are your thoughts around why it is difficult uh, making African traditional medicines mainstream and having that acknowledgement also from the mainstream healthcare industry. Hello. Dr. Maseko, I think we're still struggling with your line there. I'm not quite yeah. sure if you can hear me. Can you hear me, Dr. Maseko? Hello? Well, no, Dr. Maseko still can't hear me. So I'm going to stay with you, pretty, and we'll okay. st- see if we can uh, look at some other challenges in general. And okay. it, in, a, in a general belief in medical circles that traditional medicines defy scientific procedures in terms of objectivity, measurement, you know, classification, some people think because there's not enough research put into uh, indigenous medicines uh, that they do not qualify to be part of the main. How do you argue around people who have those kind of thoughts? Uh,
6: can you please repeat your question? I think I have somehow um, connected it with another question here in front of me. Yeah, I'm
4: just uh, asking about in terms of that general belief that medical circles, some saying that, you know, um, you know, medicines, traditional medicines, are not following scientific procedures. And some people say, well, you know, that doesn't actually work. We can't really um, mainstream indigenous medicines. How do you respond to those types of people? It's usually uh, people within um, the mainstream health industry who have those views.
6: Okay. Now, uh, my question to those people is, how can our medicine be coded and measured if there is no policy documented in the first place? That's the simple question. Mm, mm. If you want our medicine to be scientifically uh, 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 defined and to be measured, give us a policy, document one, and then we'll be able to give further details.
4: Mm. And also, in terms of that f- formula, isn't it upon traditional healers and their associations to start this process? Because I don't think you can ask the health industry to actually facilitate it for you.
6: Uh, definitely, uh, we don't expect you know the health industry to do that for us. But first, the first point of service would be we need to have a policy in place and then we'll be able to, unpack and, and deal later on with uh, the coding and the classification as well as measurement of our medicine. But first we are saying let us have a policy because I'm sure that policy will also help to reduce the stigma and the stereotypes that we have because currently we have situations where, mm. for an example, I'll make an example, mm, mm. a person visits Mama Priti and Mama Priti gives uh, medicine for that specific uh, ailment that she you know has diagnosed mm-hmm. and later on she discovered that this person is de- uh, dehydrated and refers such a person to a hospital what happens when a person goes to a hospital and then people are being embarrassed in front of other patients we, we, we start playing a playing game mm-hmm. you are not supposed to go to mama pretty in the first place so if we have a policy that is being documented we would be like countries like China and India where they are hospitalized you know acknowledge and recognize their traditional healers for so now we're still having you know uh the situation this conflict between western doctors and african uh, doctors traditional healers because of the non availability of the policy itself so i'm so i'm sure that if we have the policy in place there is so many issues that will be ironed out
4: mm. but i'm also interested you know what you're highlighting is very very interesting for me listening to you because it makes me wonder, what would you like that particular policy to entail? And wouldn't there be a friction between uh, traditional doctors to uh, maybe indigenous healers in terms of that contention of maybe uh, the types of medicines that are offered for different ailments?
6: Okay, firstly, we, we, we want um, government to fully allow people to use African traditional medicine. The World Health Organization has given us that of the number of people that prefer to come to us as traditional healers. so we all know it's 80% of the population that visits us. In fact, we can proudly say we are the first point of service of health services in the country. So we would love people to have that allowance. Our patients must be allowed to use African traditional medicine fully with no conditions and with no fear on their side as well.
4: Mm. well this is so interesting pretty and maybe I want to bring it back to our uh, listeners today what are your thoughts around the conversation we have you can go to our Twitter handle uh, at channel Africa at African dialogue as well and uh, you can give us your thoughts do you think the rest of the world takes uh, africa's medicinal solutions seriously give us your thoughts there or you can uh, sms us your thoughts on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero we'll read them when we come back we'll see if we can get to Dr. Maseko, we've been tr- struggling with the lines today and uh, he's the president of uh, the Traditional Healers Association. We'll stay with Pretty as well because I think she's giving us interesting insights and I'd really like to unpack it and maybe when we come back we can also speak about just some of the taboos and the stereotypes because myself just as an ordinary contemporary young man who's used to like traditional forms of medicine I, I, I don't know, I have this kind of uh, uh, fear of going to any uh, healer traditional healer because of those stereotypes around it. Not because basically I've been taught otherwise. Just because of the stereotypes but we also the stereotypes we see in the movies and the sitcoms. It's a bit scary for me to just not go to my doctor instead of for an African uh, traditional healer. So how do we work around those kind of uh, mainstream stereotypes? You're listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance and uh, we're looking at uh, traditional medicine day which was held yesterday and asking the question do you think the rest of the world takes africa's medicinal solutions seriously remember you can tweet us at african dialogue we want to hear your thoughts and views we'll be back after this
2: we have great news for you channel africa has gone mobile if you have a cell phone you can now download the mobile app for android you can get it on google play get the latest news from africa get the channel africa app channel africa the voice of the african renaissance
4: yes you are listening to channel africa the voice of the african renaissance i'm benjamin Mushatama. we're back in our johannesburg studios here at the SABC. today we've been doing a couple of outside broadcasts so it's great to be back inside and to be speaking about the topic that we're speaking to let me see one more time if we can try dr maseko dr maseko can you hear me now dr maseko are you there Yes, please. Fantastic. I can hear you now. Now, earlier on, we were just speaking with uh, Pretty Lokelo who's still on the line with us, about some of the challenges in terms of mainstreaming uh, Africa's medicinal solutions. And we we're speaking about the taboos. We we're speaking about uh, also the issue of slow legislation policies. And also, we were speaking about the fact that also uh, companies do not want to actually uh, give credit where it's due for some of uh, the indigenous knowledge that they're received from Africa itself and some of our indigenous communities. Uh, Why are we still having those challenges in 2016, Dr. Maseko?
2: Oh, great. Uh, I think African traditional medicine is well used. 85% of the whole community throughout the whole world, they use African traditional medicine. And with WHO, uh, I've been a a member Mm. working with uh, other countries, you know, with the World Health Organization on African traditional medicine, as Mm. well as the OAU, uh, African traditional medicine research. But up until now, there's no recognition of uh, traditional medicine. So we are up and... I'm fighting with the government on how traditional medicine must be uh, recognized. But then the problem is, uh, in Africa, each and every country, they've got their own systems. And we can't come together, we, traditional health practitioners in Africa, and try and discuss about this. It's each and every country that has its own laws.
4: That's the problem, Mm. and and in terms of that kind of um, uh, disjointedness with the traditional healer's um, um, practitioner itself, you know, and and the industry itself. You know, how do we actually bring that community together? Because also what's interesting is that the methods are very versatile on the continent, Uh, Dr. Maseko. People have different strategies for different solutions. But that doesn't mean those solutions are not um, uh, without any form of uh, effectiveness. So how do we bring the African traditional space together? We can have this conversation whereby we can actually have more control over our uh, medicines.
7: Uh, I think
2: we still have a problem on that because, uh, African traditional medicine is still controlled by the government, as you know. And then, it's not that much easy for the traditional health practitioners themselves, especially the organization, the bigger organizations like THO, mm. uh, we've got a huge, a huge big membership who are, after using their own traditional medicine, some they can't even go to the villages or go to the uh, 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 the mountains and pick up their own traditional medicine. They have to go via certain rules, and, and which is still a problem. But what we are trying to do now, of late, we are trying to uh, make sure that each and every practitioner himself, without manufacturing, going for exporting or Commercial use of African traditional medicine, uh, we as an organization, we make sure that each and every practitioner who's with the knowledge of the medicine that was used by his or her mm. forefather, they mm. can use it free without even consulting with the, uh, the researchers whoever. Because what is happening in Africa now uh all the countries, uh, in the, 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 there's no resources for the research. And when the research is conducted by the universities it takes about uh, six years before they come up back with the results. And when the results come, uh, the practitioner, the one with the knowledge, uh, had even, you know, forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. So it's where the problem is now. We are saying that why traditional health practitioners are not using their own traditional medicine that they've been used by their own forefathers. This Mm. is what we want. Rather than taking the medicine to the university or Mm. wherever uh, it's going to be taken
4: for the research. Mm. That's interesting that you bring the issue of research, and I want to bring it back to you, Pretty, because I think, uh, you know, when you think of uh, traditional healers, they, they're they not necessarily scientists in, in the conventional form. They could be scientists in a very informal way and through, um, you know, handing over of knowledge. I think that would be the more African form of uh, uh, science, of the, looking at science in that way. But because when you get into a lab, the traditional healer doesn't have control anymore. They kind of lose that autonomy over that product or that method or that, uh, uh, you know, that medical process. And Is there a way where we can actually get good collaboration between scientists and traditional healers who actually work together and actually have the kind of fairness and complementary way of uh, doing business? And I want to call it a business because it should start moving into that space, Pretty. Yes.
6: Okay, let me start by adding to the research that uh, Ubabun Kampana has indicated about the university. There is something interesting that I need to indicate. We as traditional healers need permission to go to a specific mountain for me to collect medicine that has been used by my forefathers. But the very same people that are giving us such regulations in their own backyards, they have planted medicine that we know that it's medicine that, you know, um, heals certain ailments. Mm. So in that area, I think real government needs to do a lot in that area. There is a problem there. And then when it comes to uh, collaboration, You know, I have a serious problem there. I'm sorry, maybe I might sound as political, but I'm definitely not. Look, um, we do have medicine that we know can heal, you know, and regulate certain ailments. The problem is we give our medicine and in return we don't get nothing. And the very same people that take our medicine go and make millions, they package it nicely and go out there and make millions. So if we collaborate, the condition here is as long as you are going to let healers be involved in the, in the whole process because what's the point of the government wanting to micromanage? We are healers, but you want to tell us how to handle our, um, our industry. This is our industry, so you will never be able to have a solution if you don't involve us. So we are saying to government, please don't manage us. We want to tell you this is how we run things because currently everything is done by the government, the very same government who did not go through the initiation process. If the government went through the initiation process, then they are, they can be able to tell me what to do. So unlike the collaboration part that you have mentioned, yes, if we collaborate, and government must really make sure that they involve healers.
4: Mm. And and pretty staying with you before we wrap it up with uh, Doctor Maseko is the issue of um, you know like I was making an example of myself. I've never been to a traditional healer because I don't have much knowledge of it because we now used to Western forms of uh, medicines. But yeah. what's what's interesting is I've got my own stigma and i have my own stereotypes in my own head because of just the way things are and what we've seen on, on tv woodley see and all these things and we always kind of um we've made we've made um uh, traditional healing such a taboo and we stay away from it how do we educate people like me who are very kind of contemporary or were never kind of exposed to that kind of a thing and there's a lot of black people let's just be honest who don't know a lot about uh, traditional healing and uh, how do we actually remove those taboos that have been built over time even if today when you watch what generations you still see those stigmas of uh, traditional healers and sangomas and inyanga still portrayed by us black people themselves you
6: know honestly i must be honest with you the stigma is there everywhere hiv people are being stigmatized so in my um, in my view, the stigma is for ignorant people. So if you are ignorant, you will stereotype, you will say all sorts of things. But if you are not ignorant, you will learn. I think the best would be instead of stereotyping and, and, and stigmatizing so, traditional healing, try and learn and try and get an understanding as to where traditional healers are coming from. For an example, um, traditional medicine, indigenous medicine is very old. Older than hospitals that we have, because before hospitals, how did our forefathers? You, you should that should be a starting point. How did they survive then without hospitals? The very same medicine that we are stigmatizing today. Mm, mm.
4: And, and 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 how do we how, how do we teach people as well? How do we break that stereotype? Because I could take that responsibility, but the next person wouldn't care. I think we also need a process where we people are being taught about it. Don't you think?
6: I think. Mm. But then first we start with the government. There mm. is a joke that is being made by the government. Um, we are being given a theme to commemorate the African traditional medicine. But the very same government who gives us a theme doesn't give a budget. That's, that's really a joke to me because mm. how do we advocate? How do we teach people so, so. if we do not have the budget for it? So which means information will never reach the right people. People like you who want to understand what is going on with the industry will never, we won't be able to reach you because we don't have funds to mm. be able to mm. advocate our tradition.
4: Mm. Dr. Maseko, it's very interesting what where we are right now because I remember even before my grandmother died, she had a cactus plant outside and she used to, she used to drink it and for anything, she used to say it cleans the stomach and now it's, it's a knowledge that all of us, we still have that cactus plant outside my grandfa- grandmother's house and we actually drink from that, we drink that, we put it in water, we leave it there to simmer, just just how she taught us and it's kind of a knowledge that I even took upon Myself. I even drink it now and then myself if I want a very uh, clean face, as, uh, <laughs> as I'd like to tell my um, mom. But um, it, it's fantastic to know that these knowledges and these things are so much uh, peripheral, and, and to put them in the center and to remove the stigmas, it's still going to take us time looking at the challenges that Pretty just highlighted. Um, uh,
2: I think we all come from the animal kingdom. Uh, each and every uh, culture, they've got their own uh, traditional medicine that they're used by their forefathers. Uh, the only problem that I think we are uh, facing now is integration. Mm-hmm. If we are not integration traditional medicine within the modern system, we can be able, let say, to use traditional medicine the way our forefathers were using traditional medicine. This is what we want. Instead of talking about all these sophisticated kind of uh, systems that are involved now in mm, traditional mm. medicine, uh, then it's going to spoil the whole traditional medicine as such. Uh, our people, most of the people, uh, they are using their own African traditional medicine at home. Mm. In the remotest areas where the traditional medicine that we are talking about is available for them. Mm. And when you go for a, a pharmaceutical industry, then it's something else because you commercialize the whole uh, 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 system. Mm. And then it's where the problem is with the modern system.
7: Mm.
4: So I think we've highlighted so many challenges just in a minute or so. How do we move forward? How do we how do we create a space where we actually advancing? Education is one of them. Policy is one of them. But how do we actually create a space where there is more kind of an awareness of it? Because I think that's so important, Dr. Maseko No, no. I think we will go parallel each other, sure.
2: not integrating the systems. You know, within right. the other system. Sure. Oh, so that is
3: why
2: we we don't want modern system to be integrated or traditional system to be integrated into into the modern system because it's where the problem yeah, is yeah yeah we have to stay parallel each other sure. because we do have our own specialist traditional sure. professional speech sure. people with the know-how into how and how mm-hmm. also to identify their plans themselves they are the people who also train even the Uh, the researchers. The researchers, they don't know all of these uh, African traditional medicine. Up to Mm 400,000 traditional medicine medicinal plants have been uh, undergoing some research. But the results have not yet come back uh, to traditional. We are not getting the royalties. This Mm -hmm. is the the problem that we have. We Mm -hmm. are saying now, let's go parallel each other. Let Mm -hmm. the traditional health practitioner use their own tra- the, we do have our own traditional mm. primary health care consumers. Mm. Uh, you know, the communities that are using traditional medicine, they are there. Mm. They want these traditional
7: medicines.
4: Well, that's how we're going to wrap it up. And I think we need to follow up this program and get in government into the program. We need to get maybe the WHO to come in as well so we can really have a comprehensive conversation about uh, this issue, because I think it's bigger than uh, uh, what we've been talking about today. It needs a whole lot of a a bigger space for us to have a conversation on. But thank you to both of our guests. Thank you to Dr. Antlavana Maseko, who is the president of the Traditional Healers Organization or Association. And thank you as well, to Pretty lokhele who's also a traditional healer. Thank you both for giving us your time.
6: You're welcome.
4: Now it's uh eleven forty seven Central African time. Let's quickly move on. We need to get our business news. We're sending my table with us.
3: Thanks, Benjamin. Good morning. Mozambican President uh, Philip Nyusi has uh, appointed an IMF official, Rogerio Lucas Zandamela, as central bank governor to replace Ernesto Gove, whose term has ended. The appointment comes as Mozambique is battling to restore the confidence donors as it uh, grapples with a spiraling debt and financial crisis that has rocked the economy of one of the world's poorest countries. Zandamela is currently head of the mission to Djibouti and Somalia for the IMF. The International Monetary Fund is demanding an external forensic audit of Mozambique's public debt after a scandal over more than a billion U.S. dollars in secret loans. And Africa's biggest economy Nigeria is officially slid into recession for the first time in more than 20 years. This as the Statistics Office announced a further contraction in the second quarter of the year. see
5: Zuma reports. The Nigerian Bureau of Statistics says gross domestic product contracted by 2.06% after shrinking 0.36% in the first quarter. A slump in crude prices, Nigeria's mainstay, has hammered public finances and the Naira currency causing chronic dollar shortages.
3: South African analysts are weighing in on future growth decisions say investor confidence in the government's ability to properly manage state-owned enterprises could further decrease future growth. One of uh, South Africa's biggest asset managers says it plans to not only do business with state-owned enterprises with credible management acting in the best interests of its companies. It has announced on Wednesday that it will temporarily stop lending money to six of the country's largest state-owned companies, including Paracel. Statals, ESCOM, Transnet, Sandra, the Land Bank, the IDC, the Development Bank of Southern Africa. Vets University Professor Tepo Mungalo says other investors will now be on alert.
2: Because Future Growth is actually setting an example here to say that we will not tolerate investment in companies that we are not sure whether they will follow corporate governance principles. This will obviously put other investors on a ledge to say if we see the talk about the introduction of the presidential council to oversee uh, state owned enterprises being established, then we don't know how the decision making process within SOEs is going to be. And this may actually lead to others actually following suit. It's a serious corporate governance misstep, as I were to put it. That Way to see the presidency establishing a council that will oversee state owned enterprises when we know what is best corporate governance principles.
3: On the other hand, Jefferson of the South African uh, Power Utility, uh, Skomba Ben Gubane, says municipalities have to take bigger responsibility in curbing illegal electricity connections. He's called on MPs and other public representatives to play a role in discouraging illegal connections
2: the municipalities are the retail arm of the electricity supply chain. (laughs) So a lot of responsibility rests with them to see to it that the money is collected and transferred to ESCOM, and to see to it that there is rule of law in terms of these illegal connections. I would plead with public representatives like parliamentarians, councillors, legislators in the provinces to really spread the culture of not being destructive with state assets because these in yoga are very destructive to the grid and this is a national asset
3: Financial indicators now: the dollar trading at 14.54 South African rand, at 10.64 Botswana pula, and 9.47 Zambian Guacha also at 0.76 to the British pound and 0.89 against the euro. Commodities: gold 1,308 dollars, platinum 1,050 dollars per finance, Brent crude oil 47.15 cents per barrel. That's your economics news.
4: Time now for us uh, to get our sports bulletin Fixozo Zozo is with us. That's feeling T.
1: As sports update this hour it's paralympics first one of south africa's great stories in the 2016 paralympics will be that of veteran athlete ernst van Dijk, who will be competing in his seventh paralympics since he began at the Barcelona games in 1992 the 43 year old says all the games that he has competed at have been special and is optimistic that these games in rio will have its special moments despite the
5: negative press publicity I was 18 when, I, when we went to Barcelona for the first time, and it was a really special experience. And every one of them, you know, besides, besides Atlanta in 96, has been a very special Paralympics, and it's been really great, and we've been building and improving. And um, I look forward to Rio. The ticket sales I've picked up, it looks like we'll have, we'll have decent, you know, decent seats full, and there'll, there'll be a good atmosphere. It will be a South American atmosphere, and it's, it's very different, you know, from Europe or from Beijing, you know, when we were in China,
1: but I think it will be good. And in cycling news, teams to participate in the annual 2016 tour du Rwanda International Cycling event have been unveiled. For the first time, Rwanda will be represented by one national team and two local clubs. The organizing committee has set the 13th to the 20th of November 2016 as the official days for the eighth edition of the popular cycling race. Rwanda will be rep- represented by the national team Club Benediction of Rubavu and Sports Club Friends of Rwama Ghana. Previously, Rwanda was fielding three national teams, Akagera, Karisimbi and Muhambura. Rwanda Cycling Federation Ferroasi Permanent Secretary Emmanuel Morenzi says the change in tactic to have two local clubs and one national team will help the teams to gain a lot in competition. The new teams include Dimension Data for Kobega of South Africa Kenyan Riders Down Under of Kenya, Sharjah Cycling Team of United Arab Emirates and Cycling Academy Team of Israel. And the top Zimbabwean wrestler, Herbert Mururi, is unfazed by the Herculean task which lies ahead of him in the biannual Wild Belt Wrestling Championships in Kazakhstan from the 2nd to the 9th of September. The fighter who is only Zimbabwean to contest in the Prima World Championships will compete in the open category of the Arisha style. He was elected to represent the country by a respected grading panel at a seminar in Cape Town, South Africa last year. Mururi says he is determined to put Zimbabwe on the world rep- wrestling map. And Zimbabwe Wrestling Federation Secretary General Tapiwa Masiniri appealed to the corporate world to partner the sport. And finally with the golf news one of most spectacular stops on the European Tour the Omega European Masters returns to Clunsogne for the
0: 70th consecutive time Mark Tomkins reports Defending champion Danny Willett managed to hold off the attentions of Matt Fitzpatrick to win by a shot last year, and they play together on the first two days and are joined by fellow Ryder Cup team member Andy Sullivan in a group that's sure to attract big crowds. Lee Westwood won here back in 1999. He'll play with another former winner, Alex Noren, who tasted success here seven years ago. Other notable names in the field this week include Miguel Angel Jimenez, who appeared every year from 1989 to 2014, Chris Wood, currently seventh in the race to Dubai standings, and Tong Chai Jidee, who heads a a big asian tour contingent in what is now a co-sanctioned event this unique tournament brings its own challenges on the sevi redesigned course and with the fantastic views the next four days will not only be a great test but a great spectacle for the large crowds expected that's your
1: sport at this moment
4: well that's how we wrap it up for the week and uh, for the next week I won't be around so uh, I hope that uh, you're gonna have a good week next week I won't be in the building I would have to I'm doing some work travels but uh, uh, I'm sure that we'll have a great program so do join us uh, next week from Monday to Thursday 1100 hours Central African time remember that uh, you can uh, continue to be part of the channel Africa family join us at channel Africa one on our Twitter handle that's at channel Africa One, that's the numeric one at the end, or at African Dialogue, or you can uh, join us on Facebook. We've got a Channel Africa page there, simply titled Channel Africa. Well, from me, Benjamin Mushatama, until next time, which will be in two weeks' time, God bless.